Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. of the Lord has met us here today and I want him to touch us in Jesus name. Amen. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to join me in a very familiar passage of 1 Timothy 4 and 12. I'm going to read one verse and uh, pray that the hand of God will just touch all of us in this service today. Paul said to Timothy in 1 Timothy 4 and 12, let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believer's And then Paul mentions those areas to be an example in. He said, be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Amen. I'm thankful today for the hand of God that has rested upon the lives of people before us and people around us that serve tremendously as examples of what God can do in the life of of a human being. We have a treasure in an earthen vessel, but I'm going to tell you, I'm thankful for those earthen vessels that have submitted themselves to the hand of God. You know, if we were to, um, if we were to look around us, there are many, many situations that are, uh, even present here in our services today, uh, various stations of life we can find ourselves in and we can find ourselves seemingly hampered or tethered by things that we face in our own personal world. We face in life various things that hinder us and perhaps rightly so. But I believe that we should never allow our station in life to stop us from being used in the ministry that God has called us to be used in. I want to be very clear about something that I've tried to underline for over 31 years, and that is that I believe that in any church, all are called to the ministry. Not not everybody's called to a pulpit ministry. I understand that. But I believe that we are called to the ministry. Life is never going to be perfect. We're never going to reach that that pinnacle where it all just comes together and then at that magic moment, we can step into what God is wanting us to do. There's always going to be something to contend with, something to deal with. But in Ecclesiastes, the wise man Solomon brought a powerful principle to the table. He said in Ecclesiastes 11 and 4, he that observeth the wind shall not sow and he that regardeth the clouds shall not reap. In other words, if we are just going to walk out and and we're going to wait for the very perfect day to set things in motion and allow God to use us, Solomon is trying to say that perfect day is not going to happen. Amen. We're going to have to say, Lord, here I am, flaws and all. I'm just going to submit them into your hand and I'm going to give them to you. And so in our text, it is uh, is a scripture, a letter written by Paul, and he is admonishing a young man under his leadership, a young man by the name of Timothy. 
He, without a doubt, Paul knew that Timothy was called of God and could see that call on him perhaps even at an earlier age than now. But now Paul recognizes that not only is Timothy called, but the Spirit of the Lord is now sending him forth. And so because Paul also knew him personally, he didn't only know his strengths, but Paul understood his weaknesses, and we all have them. I mean, he understood that, that perhaps... Perhaps Timothy at this age and at this time in his life was going to feel the insecurity of the lack of experience or the insecurity of, of maybe not being old enough to have garnished and earned the respect of those that God was calling him to influence. But Paul said to him, I want to remind you of something. I have prayed for you. Now, that meant something, not that someone had prayed for him, but that Paul had prayed for him. I would appreciate anybody praying for me, but I'm going to tell you there are some people that if they call me and tell me I prayed for you today, that's, that, that's going to mean something to me because I understand uh, the root system of that person's voice. I mean, he reminded him that I have prayed for you. And uh, he also reminded him that, that Timothy, you may have have some obstacles in your life but I just want to assure you of something that you are not given to the spirit of fear but of love and power and a sound mind and so you don't have to fear that that you don't know God was admonishing him to lead with courage and to lead with confidence Timothy was a young man and, and maybe perhaps timid in dealing with people but Paul advised him that you can't think anything less of your calling just because of your station in life God is going to use you despite that. I believe that much like Timothy, every one of us can find ourselves strong in some areas, but lacking in others. Amen. We, we, we don't have it all together. I believe that's why Romans 15 and 1 speaks about the strong bearing the infirmities of the weak. Uh, there are times we may be really strong and other times we may not be so strong. But all of us have areas of our life where we're, we're, we have greater strengths here than we maybe have in other areas. And so he was asking him to understand the power of prayer and understand the power of God. I mean, we've not been given to the spirit of fear. And so we don't have to submit ourselves nor succumb to that mindset or attitude. And we can't be timid about the things that God has called us to do. We have power and we have the love of God in us. And those two things are a tremendous weapon against the forces that would fight and resist us. Because of that, I believe that we can be confident in the ways that God is directing us. I believe it is very, very important in the life of any child of God and certainly in the life of an influencer, which we should all be. It is very, very important to understand the, the, the balance and keeping the balance between humility and boldness. Yes, we need to be bold and we need to be courageous, but we can't be arrogant. Amen, I've got to be bold, I've got to be confident, I've got to speak up and I've got to speak out. But I believe that there also, also come, should come with that the spirit of humility. We should never underestimate the value of the call of God upon our lives. By the same token, we should never also undermine that call by our conduct. I need to let the spirit of the Lord use me as he will and as he would. And so despite our flawed vessels, the Lord can work through all of us in powerful ways. 
it, we find it uh, repeated again and again in scripture where, where the Lord reminded us that we cannot do anything without him. But he reminded us also that we can do all things are possible with him. Paul reiterated that himself in Philippians that we can do all, he can do all things through Christ which strengthened him. And so I want you to understand something that when we see someone mightily used of God that has found that balance between boldness and humility, we understand one thing. They have found how precious and how, uh, and how valuable the anointing of God is upon their life. And I believe that that is the key to keeping that balance between humility and boldness. I have to understand that I am empowered by God. When our confidence is in the Lord and it's not in our own ability, then we can operate with a God-authorized humility-empowered boldness. We can move forward in him. I believe I could uh, uh, find some common ground here with anyone that has ever taught or you've ever, you've ever had to speak publicly or seen, uh, maybe be in front of people. Uh, there have been times when the Lord has been with us and what a great comfort that is. But I, I will tell you that, that I believe from time to time the Lord has just stepped to the side and let me feel what this weighs without him. And it can be a lonely place without the anointing of the Lord. It can be a very lonely place without the anointing of the Lord. So I need to depend on him and not myself. A few weeks ago, I was talking to someone and I mentioned that I was needing to get home and, and study about uh, an upcoming Wednesday night service. And in a very, very innocent manner, um, the person I was talking to uh, just looked at me and he said, well, I would imagine that, you know, after all of these years of preaching and all of the experience that you could just speak on about most any topic at the drop of a hat. Now, I, I believe that there was a lot of innocence in that statement. And I would also admit that there is a measure of truth to that. If you've been doing something for many, many years on end, uh, obviously that there should be some things that, that are just in you. There's just some things in you. But I reminded them that the ministry doesn't work that way. We can't just reach down into a hat of tricks and pull out a scripture and think that this will do. Pulpit ministry and ministry in general, I believe requires a fresh touch of God every time. Every time, uh, every time children's ministry is engaged, there needs to be a fresh touch. Every time our singers or our musicians are leading us in praise and worship, we need a fresh touch from God. Absolutely. We can commit scriptures to our memory. We can commit the words to a song. We can commit the, the ability to play an instrument and play a song. We can learn the mechanical side of ministry. We can understand outside of the presence of God how to organize a service or how to organize an event. But I will tell you that the most valuable ingredient in anything we will ever do will be the unadulterated power and anointing of God. It is the anointing of God. The Bible says it's that anointing that destroys the yoke. Some people say it breaks it. Amen. Don't misquote that. It doesn't break it. It destroys the yoke. We need that anointing. That is the most valuable ingredient in any, in any children's ministry lesson. That'll be the most valuable ingredient in any youth event. That'll be the most valuable agreement in a, ingredient in a general conference or a camp meeting or a Sunday service. Amen. We need the anointing of the Lord. 
I need a fresh touch from God. When we step into a place of ministry, we need the hand of God. Every day, every time, we need a fresh touch from the Lord. A lawyer, a lawyer can be unfaithful to their companion and they can walk right out of that moment of unfaithfulness and into a courtroom and still represent their client judiciously. A surgeon can cheat on their taxes and still be one of the greatest surgeons in their field. A CEO can be the honoriest person in their community and still run a successful business. But in ministry, you've got to be above those things. Amen. And we are all called to the ministry. And so in the church, we have got to live above those things and many more. In the book of Exodus, Moses made something abundantly clear to the Lord. In Exodus 33 and 14, the Lord said to Moses, this is a great and an assuring promise. I will guarantee you that. The Lord said to Moses, my presence will go with thee. My presence shall go with thee. I found it quite interesting that in the very next verse, I don't think disrespectfully, but I think Moses was underlining something in the very next verse. Amen. The Lord says, I'm going to go with you. And Moses spins around in verse 15 and said, if thy presence go not with me, then just carry us up, not hence. Don't even let us leave if you're not going to go with me. Moses wasn't trying to be arrogant or disrespectful, but he was reminding the Lord, I get it. Amen. If you're not going to go, then I'm not going to go. I'm going to tell you again and again and again, I asked the Lord. Amen. I asked the Lord this morning. Lord, I'm asking you to Go with me to the pulpit. The clock, the calendar teaches me and tells me, amen, that it's time for us to assemble at this certain hour. I'm going to have to go to that pulpit eventually. Amen. I'm The, one, the song is going to end in a moment. The last song is going to end. The last thing, and it's going to be time for me to step to that pulpit. I want the spirit of Moses to be upon me and say, Lord, if you're not going to go with me, then I don't even want to go. I don't want to stand there by myself. I have got to have your anointing. I've got to have your hand upon me. I've got to have it. We all have got to have it. But I will tell you that the Lord can only, can only bless a life that's blessable. God is not going to just sanction and rubber stamp whatever we hand him. He's not just going to sign something because we stuck it through the window. Amen. Paul's advice to Timothy applies, I believe, to every New Testament believer. Every child of God has been called to be an ambassador for Christ. We represent Christ. And we have also been called to the ministry of reconciliation. I believe that includes every member of the church, from the youngest to the eldest. Amen. Of course, as I mentioned a moment ago, go. We're not all called to pulpit ministry. We're not all called to teach a class or we're not all called to speak publicly or to sing publicly. We're not all called to be musicians. Amen. But I will tell you that whatever God has called us to do, we need to do it in such a manner. Amen. That we say, Lord, I need you to go with me. I need you to anoint me. I need you to help me. Amen. We all serve as a pattern for somebody because people are watching People are watching. Amen. We teach others with our lives. That's what Paul was telling Timothy. Be an example. Be an example. Amen. He said, here's how to be an example. You've got to teach with your life. You've got to teach with your life. And so God, help us to be faithful examples. In the world of manufacturing, there are people that design and make patterns or templates. Patterns or templates are very, very critical 
instruments of precision. Amen. For instance, templates help set the bolts or the fasteners and foundations of massive buildings. And these fasteners are set long before the steel or the structure ever starts to come up out of the ground. And so when the concrete is being poured, the template has got to set the pattern. It's got to be there because somewhere there's another piece that's coming that's going to have to connect. It has got to be exact. And so I I will tell you today that if we as the church can live with such a consciousness of that in our heart that we need to set the tone of an accurate template and when we live right every day, not just Sunday, not just Wednesday, not just this special occasion or that special occasion, when we live right every day, then we ought to expect that when somebody comes in and receives the baptism of the Holy Ghost, amen, we ought to expect that the transformation will begin to take place in their life, not only because of what they're being taught from the pulpit, but because of the example that's being lived out in your life. Can I tell you today that I can't do this by myself? myself. My wife and I cannot do this alone. Our ministry teams cannot do this alone. Our leaders cannot do this alone. We need some godly, holy templates, examples in the pulpit, in the pew, amen, that are teaching others, hallelujah, how to live for God, how to be faithful to him. And as a church, I believe if we offer an exact template, then we ought to be able to expect and look for transformation to take place in their lives. Let's clap our hands to the Lord, shall we? Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But if we offer them a template that is this today, something else tomorrow, wishy-washy, over here a little while, over there a little while, amen, nobody is ever going to be able to reproduce authentic Christianity. But I'm going to tell you that I believe when Paul was speaking to Timothy, if you remember some of the verses of this uh, of, of his, in his letters to Timothy, he said, I saw something. I first saw it in your grandmother. I saw something. It was there. And then I later saw the same trace elements of that in your mother and now I see that in you. I'm going to tell you today, amen, that you can get your mother's eyes and you can get your daddy's hands. You can get a lot of your personality genetically but you cannot pass something generation to generation genetically. Amen. Just because you had a praying mother doesn't mean you're going to be a praying person. Just because you had a godly father doesn't mean that you're going to be a godly man or a godly woman but I can tell you what we can do we can just be an example. Amen. This is what my mama and my daddy did. Whenever the world was falling apart, they didn't waver. They didn't, they didn't check out. Amen. They didn't, they didn't back up. Amen. What, what they did when the world was falling apart, they leaned in. Amen. And you know what? Amen. It was her that taught her daughter. And that daughter taught her son. And can I tell you today, we are where we are because some wonderful men and women of God said, I'm going to serve in faith. I'm going to walk in faith. I'm going to give everything that I have. I'm going to give all that I am. I'm going to give it wholly and righteously and I'm going to give it accurately to the work of God. Oh yes. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
it should seem obvious that we are facing some trying times today and there is a very strong need for the church to be the church and not the church to blend in not the church to be camouflaged not the church to try to be covert no sir I mean I mentioned this in a recent message but I'm not ashamed to repeat it again today that if the world around us cannot see any difference in us then they've got no reason to join us and I believe that what ought to happen every time you walk in and out of a business amen somebody ought to feel something they ought to be able to see something they ought to be able to sense something they ought to be able to know that lady has something I want that man has something I want hallelujah I'm going to tell you whoo hallelujah I'm going to tell you there's a lot of people in churches today they're on pews today and they're going to drive home empty as they were when they got there they're going to drive home as dry as they were when they got there they need somebody that's got something in their heart they're not ashamed of the gospel I'm not ashamed to live it I'm not ashamed to love it I'm not ashamed I'm not ashamed I'm not ashamed hallelujah My, 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 the world ought to be able to detect the authenticity of the church. You ever bought something that had a white label on it, so to speak, that said, you can compare this to something else. It's comparable. I'm not sure why you got so quiet on that. Just trying to figure that out. It's not the real thing, but you can compare it. It's going to be like it. We're going to shape the tablet like it. We're going to color the liquid like it. And then we were saving so much money until we got home and realized you got to use three times the amount because you're just comparing it to. It's just sort of you can use it for the same thing. Nothing like the real thing. Amen. How many realize that sometimes you get what you pay for? <laughs> and I believe that people can tell authenticity. Amen. Something real. There's something real. There's something different here. I, I know. I know something. There's something different. Many people, I believe, hearing me today, seeing me today, sitting here today, have even had people tell you there's something different about you. There's something different about you. Not something that's just different on church days, but it's still different on the job. It's still different at school. It's still different at home. Authentic Christianity. That's what the world needs right now. One man said the greatest single cause of atheism in the world today are Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips but they walk out the church door and they deny him by their lifestyle. And I will tell you unequivocally, unequivocally, that in all the years of serving as a pastor of this church, and I'm not just talking about people referring to members of this church, but just the church in general, this is the single thing that I've encountered the most through the years. People are disillusioned with those that they work with who profess to be something, but yet on the job, 
They see them act just like everybody else. They see them talk just like everybody else. Amen. Unbelievers, they need to see the gospel lived out. And I believe that that's true for everybody. I believe that's true for everybody that has the Holy Ghost. How much more so that should be for those in leadership. But no one gets a get out of jail free card. No one gets an exemption here. Amen. We have been given the ministry of reconciliation. In all honesty, I am so thankful and I am so humbled and I... I, am, I'm, I understand that I'm repeating myself here today. I, I, I'm doing it on purpose. This is a part of my, my prayer life. Often, often, I wouldn't say every day, but often, I thank the Lord for the ministers and the ministries that have positively impacted my life. I want to tell you there's messages that have been preached, lessons that have been taught. There have been things poured into me that I will never get over. Amen, if the Lord will help me, I'll hold on to them. I've held on to messages and sermons for decades that have just resonated in my heart and in my mind and I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for those ministries. Amen. They did it through anointed preaching and they did it through anointed teaching of God's word but I also want to pause and tell the Lord regularly that I'm thankful for not just the people that preach the word. I'm not just thankful for the people that taught the word. I'm not just people thankful for the people that organized something but I'm also thankful for the wonderful saints of God who received that and then they modeled that every day of their life. Amen. They didn't, they didn't dance around the church on Sunday and then look like the world on Monday or act like the world later on. Amen. They modeled that. When the service ended, they got up. Amen. And they were not just apostolic on Sunday. They were not just apostolic at conference. They were not just apostolic. Amen. In, 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 the, in the camp meeting season. Amen. They modeled it every day on their job when no one was there watching. When no one was there to tell the difference. When no one, amen, they lived it out. They didn't just sing about his goodness on Sunday, amen, but that was, song was in their heart and it couldn't be erased. It couldn't be quieted on Monday, amen. They didn't just read their Bible while the preacher was reading their text, but in their home, amen, they got a well-worn Bible where they've been traveling through those passages of truth, where they've been traveling through those passages of promises. They've been committing them to their heart. Like David, they said, God, I want to hide this in my heart that I might not sin against thee. They didn't just pray at church. Amen, but they had a set time and a set place in their homes. They prayed when nobody was listening. They prayed when nobody could praise them. They prayed when nobody could clap their hands. They prayed when there was not the applause of men. Amen, they walked the walk and they lived the life. I'm thankful for the ministry. I'm thankful for the sermons. I'm thankful for the musicians. I'm thankful for the songs. But hear me today. I'm thankful for the body of Christ that said, I got it. I'm going to live it. I'm going to do this every day. I'm going to give myself to this. Hallelujah. Men and women whose private conversations were not filled with gossip and division. They were advocates of unity. When somebody tried to stir something up or tear someone down, they quickly spoke up and they said, we're not going to do that. Amen. We're going to steer this another way. We're going to do something else. Amen. We ought to live a life that makes people desire to serve the Lord. Amen. When we effectively serve in faith, I believe that our scope of influence is going to expand. When God realizes he can trust us with a small crowd on our job, he'll give us more influence. When God realizes he can 
entrust us in our home when nobody else is watching. He'll give us a greater sphere of influence. My God, I feel this in my soul today. Amen, I'm telling you that all of us have the ability, all of us have it in us to say, Lord, I can't do it because of this. I can't be used of you because of my past. I can't be used of you because of my scars. I can't be used of you because of my failure. But can I tell you, he's called us to the ministry of reconciliation. Oh, I feel it in the Holy Ghost. Be reconciled in Jesus' name. Be reconciled by the power of the Holy Ghost. Be reconciled by his blood, not because of who you are, but because of who he is. Not because of what you've done, but because of what he has given. Oh, my Timothy may have felt that he had a legitimate excuse to forsake the call of ministry and leadership. And in many respects, he could be. I mentioned this in our first service. I'll say it again tonight. I mentioned most of this in our first service again, as a matter of fact. Paul referred to Timothy's youth. That's a little bit different than how we look at youth today. Uh, they were still considered youth even up to the age of 40. So there, there's a wide spectrum of where the Apostle Paul could have found himself here. So I just want to say something today. I understand what it's like to be called of God early, called and sent of God early and young. And to be called of God to be a leader in youth. And so I understand that. Completely. And so that's why Paul stepped. He sensed. He knew because he knew Timothy. And he knew that would be an issue to him. So he stepped in the center of his life and he looked him in the eye and said, let no man despise thy youth. Let no man think ahead of you. I have not only called you, but I am sending you. He wasn't the first one to ever question his ability. He certainly wasn't going to be the last one. He meant Jeremiah thought he was too young and the Lord corrected him and when Jeremiah, as a very young man, said, I, I don't know how to speak. I, I'm just a youth. I can't do this. And the Lord turned around and got a, an angel to get a coal off the altar and touch his lips. And then the Lord somewhat rebuked him and said, don't ever say that I'm just a young man or that I'm just a youth. He said, for all that I send you, I want you to go. And for all that I command you, I want you to speak. Amen. The Lord said to Jeremiah, you need to get off the bandwagon of being too young. I called you. Amen. And you know what? We can put youth or we can call it whatever we want to call it. Our excuses can be a long list. It can be a long laundry list. But the Lord said, don't ever say that again. And whenever I call you, go. And whenever I say speak, speak. Hallelujah. Moses said, I'm not good enough. I can't do it because of this. I can't do it because of that. And every time Moses created a gap, God filled the gap. Amen. Because he said, you're my man and you're my voice. And I'm going to tell you that if we'll yield ourselves to him, he'll do the sending. He'll do the sending. God will fill in the gaps. He will put people in your life. He'll either put it in you or put people in your life to fill in the gaps. Amen. I'm going to ask our musicians to come. Daniel, without a doubt, lived in a pagan culture. But he lived a life beyond reproach even in the midst of all manner of ungodliness.
Daniel lived a life beyond reproach. He maintained his faith while he lived amid an idolatrous nation. In fact, God in this environment didn't just sustain him by sliding him a piece of ham and a slice of bread under the door. God didn't just sustain him with a few drops of water a day, but God elevated him to a position of authority over people that did not even share his faith. Amen. <laughs> How easily it could have been for Daniel to just use those circumstances as a reason to blend in, don't make any waves. Just, But instead he said, I'm gonna stand for my faith. So what should the church be doing in the midst of all the unrest of our world and our nation right now, politically and socially, financially? What, what should the church be doing? I want to tell you what we shouldn't be doing is backing up. What we should not be doing is stepping to the side, bowing out, let somebody else do it. Amen. Even under the pressure of the Babylonian culture and even at the threat of losing his own life, Daniel stayed true to his faith. The culture of his world did not change him. In fact, he impacted the culture in which he lived. The very king that threw him in the lion's den was the first one at the mouth of that cave the next day saying, I know your God can deliver you. Amen. Oh God. For the last several days, we've had a missionary family staying here in our, in our premises using our guest quarters. I spoke to them, to him last night. He's 37 years old, preaching the gospel in a place that doesn't want the gospel. Standing. Standing. Just standing. Like Daniel in this Babylonian environment, I believe our faith in this society, in a society that has run aground, it may be challenged. Our faith may be ridiculed. But I believe we can stand. Amen. I'm, I'm going to ask you to stand with me. Maybe you're familiar with the story of Naaman the leper. What a strange turn and twist of events led him to the man of God's house it was a young girl held captive she said I can tell you where you can go and get your healing he listened he took all manner of wares with him gifts that he could present for his healing and that wasn't what it was all about so the prophet wouldn't take anything after he was healed, he came back to the door of the prophet and he had a somewhat unorthodox request. He said, I just, if, if you won't take anything from me, I want to ask you if I can have something to take home with me. He said, I want to take home, the scripture says, two mules burden of earth. Two loads of earth or dirt that a mule can carry. Let me take that home 
Well, that may not mean anything to us today, but it meant something to him because he understood Exodus 20 where the Lord said, build an altar of earth unto me. And so Naaman said, I'm going back to an idolatrous country. I'm going back to a sinful and an evil culture. But I tell you what I plan to do. I don't plan to just come get my healing and go home and return and be what I've always been. Because every time I look at my skin that's been made whole, I want to have a place. I want to have an altar of earth that I can go. I want to raise these now healed hands. And I want to raise these now healed lips. And I want to speak praises clearly unto the God who healed me. He had confidence that even when I get back where sin is running rampant and it's knee deep in the street, I'm going to make me a place that I can serve you in faith and I can serve you faithfully. God is not calling the church to just be another organization in the community. God is not calling the church just for the church to be another voice against social or for social issues. God is calling the church to be an anointed brand of fire. Oh, I don't know about you, but I've got great confidence in the church. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, the church is... The church has withstood some things that would pale in comparison to what we're facing today. And the church just kept moving on, moving on. If you want to hook your wagon to anything, connect it to the church. If you want to grab a hold of anything and entangle yourself in it, get a hold of the church. Amen. Can we slip our hands up, lift our voices? Let's worship the Lord in this song. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386 935 2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website again thank you for listening and we pray god's richest blessings on you and your family